What is the how of dreaming? How do we work with dreams in an embodied way? Welcome to An Etymology of Dreaming. I'm your host, Sue Scavo. And in this episode, we are going to begin a series of conversations about the how of working with dreams. Because dreams, for me, and I think for many people, are incredibly personal. And because dreams really are crafted in this exquisite way for each person, there's no way that I could say this is how to work with a dream. I can speak in some theory about dreams, which I will do in other podcasts. I, we can speak about the intention of the dream. We can speak about many things. But because dreams are so personal, there is no simple way or blanket way to say this is how you work with a dream in an embodied way. More it's about how does each dreamer learn to work with their dreams in an embodied way in a way that helps us learn the our own language, our own uh, dialect with their dreams. Rather than do the theory, it occurred to me that actually bringing some dreams in would be a really great way to speak about how dreams work with us, and how they're crafted for each of us. So in this series of podcasts, I'm going to bring examples of dreams and speak about the dreams and how they're working with the dreamer in very in a very particular way. Some of the dreams are my own, and some of the dreams are from dreamers who I work with or colleagues who have given permission for me to speak about their dreams. And I may even have some of the dreamers on the show with me. I wanted to start with one of my dreams. Um, actually, maybe two of my dreams. To give a flavor of the how of working with dreams in this way. So one of the dreams I had early on was I, I had this dream where I was at a hockey rink. I was kind of behind the net, the goalie. And I looked over and I could see this a young girl was also maybe four four sections over from me was also there watching the game. She couldn't have been more than seven or eight. And she was watching the game, which was fun. I like hockey. I went to hockey games when I was a kid. I was with someone who loved hockey, who was a professional hockey player actually for a while. And really learned the game and still love it, actually. So I'm watching the game, and I see this girl watching the game, and a puck comes flying off the ice over the protection that, you know, all professional hockey games have around the rink, and it hits the girl right between her eyes. Some would say that's the third eye. She Blood comes out, and there's a great uproar, and she's lost to me. I, you know, there's suddenly a crowd forms around her and I can't see her anymore. I feel the shock of it. It's almost like it hits me. I'm like, <gasps> in the dream, I could feel the shock of it. The dream switches. Now I'm at a funeral and I see it's the funeral for the girl who was hit by the hockey puck between her eyes. And she's in an ice coffin. Because it's ice, it's a little muted, but I can see her in there. People are mourning her, and I'm looking at her a little bit back, and I see that she's actually awake. I see that she's not dead. They're getting ready to 
bury her or seal her in a cave or something. I can't remember exactly what they were going to do with her, but they were getting ready to bury her. And I start yelling, she's not dead, she's not dead, she's not dead. And I woke up from that dream kind of in a panic, you know, kind of yelling out, she's not dead. For me, there's a lot in this dream. And it's a dream I think about, you know, I probably had this dream 20 years ago when I first started working with dreams. It's, I still remember that dream so vividly. It's like I can step into it as if it's happening now. It was so powerful. What is the how of that dream? How did I work? How did my dream practitioner work with me? And how did I work with that dream? So the first the first part of the process is to see what the elements of the dream are that the dream is building and why they have importance. So it's at a hockey rink. I, you know, as a child, I did not play hockey, but I went to hockey games. I grew up in Cincinnati, which is a very big sports town for those of you who know Cincinnati. And I went to baseball games. I went to football games. I went to hockey games. It was just part of what we did every year on my birthday. When the Reds schedule came out, the first thing I did was like look to see if there's a Reds game. And that's what we did on my birthday. So sports were a big thing for me growing up. I played soccer. All my brothers were jocks. I have four brothers. So it begins with this place. At the time that I had the dream, I was also married to my first husband, who is a hockey player. He played college hockey. He played junior hockey in Canada. He played a little professional, coached hockey. So I was I was surrounded by hockey a lot at the time, and I loved it. And I still love hockey. You know, all that is in the is in being at the hockey rink, based on you know the relationship I was in at the time, based on who I was as a child. So the setting sets me in both my childhood and also in the relationship at the time, or also what was happening for me in the relationship. It was good at the time. You know, like I said, I loved hockey. I loved watching my partner coach. I loved going to the games. So it was a place of like joy. It was a place of like fun and possibility. And then I see this girl who, you know, looks like me when I was a little girl. She's kind of pale olive skin like I do. She has blonde hair like I had when I was a girl. And she looks really happy and excited to be at this hockey game, just like I did when I was a girl. And, I, you know, in the dream, I feel this connection with her. I feel very tied to her. I feel, you know, warm about this girl. That's like the setting of the story. The setting of the story is this connection I had to this girl, what hockey meant to me at the time. And then so that what happens next is embedded in that. How to work with this dream to begin with is, you know, for me was to begin by like feeling my connection to this girl and seeing her and really even remembering who I was at that age. Possibility, also a little scared, a little lost and innocence. There's a lot of innocence I see in that girl. So that the next thing that happens, which is this puck comes flying over the safety net or the glass and hits her in her third eye. It's it's a shock to that moment. It's a it's a shock to sort of the setting of the dream, the setting of where I'm sitting. It's in the third eye, which in some spiritual practices, you know, is a place of like knowing of the divine or kind of an inner knowing or a, a different way of seeing. And everyone thinks she's dead. What to do with that moment? The first thing 
that I worked with was around feeling the shock in my body as almost as if I was hit by that hockey puck, which of course I was when I was eight, which I'll get to. But the first part was like really to be with the visceral response in my body, which was shock and fear for this girl. And, you know, I, even sitting here, right, I can still feel in my body. It's like <gasps> this intake of breath and this horror of this girl being injured in this way. The first place to, for that, I, that I worked with with this dream was in that visceral response, like this shock and how jarring it was. And then how I felt afterwards. So then when the dream switched and I'm at the funeral for this girl, I'm still in that state of shock. I'm still in my body, tight, shocked, barely breathing, horrified that I'm at her funeral. And so in the how of working with this dream, part of the process was to be with, at the time, was I walking around still with my body in that state of shock? Was I still shallow breath? Was I still tight in my body? Was I still tight in my muscles and my stomach and my chest? And the answer was yes. I realized just by working that moment right there that I was walking around and had been for most of my life with everything kind of tight and on high alert or tight and guarded or tight and Barely breathing, not letting myself have a breath that moved past my chest, really. That didn't go all the way down into my belly. It was a really big awakening for me to see how short of breath I was all the time and how short of ease, you know, really to take it to the next step was and how exhausting that was and how exhausted I was in my body. I was tired all the time back then. Part of it was like that I'd been walking around in the shock since I was, you know, eight years old. So the first way that of the how of this dream was like for me to have my visceral experience of it, to be, to start in the hockey rink, which has the lovely sounds of the skates and the ice and people shouting and everything's really fast. And, you know, the girl's excited, I'm excited, like to go from that kind of space to suddenly this terrible thing happening and shock in my body to work with that, just that, the visceral response really opened me up to see like how I had been walking around like that my entire life. It gave me a way to learn how to pay attention to my body, to pay attention to when was I holding my arms across my chest or when was I not breathing? When did the, my breathing get more shallow? It really helped me to bring a lot of att attention and intention to my body. That's a, like a somatic level. On the level of my journey, the next part of how to work with this dream was like to look at what happened, what was happening for me when I was eight. And a lot was happening for me when I was eight. A lot of subsequent dreams and a lot of the work I've done over the last, you know, 20 years, part of what I was dealing with as an eight-year-old was some sexual abuse in the family, a pretty volatile set of parents who didn't know how to be with each other. So there's a lot of fighting. It, it felt like a very chaotic environment. So there's something about like the innocence of that eight-year-old was hit. And, and some part of me was buried. Some part of me, I think I did bury some part of me that I couldn't, I didn't know how to be with because, you know, to live in a house that wasn't really safe to have feelings or to be, that I guess it just wasn't really safe. I live tense. I, you know, after my trauma happened as a child, I did end up living kind of on guard always tense, always kind of looking to see when the next bad thing was going to happen. And I think that innocent part of me did get buried. I had never really thought of it that way. I had never really thought that to my soul that this is what it looked like. 
I can say it was, I felt like I look at pictures of me at that age when I was a girl. I remember what I do remember. I think I was kind of walking around like in shell shock. I was walking around in a kind of PTSD that I didn't really come out of until the dreams started working with me. So here's the girl in me who was hurt and hurt in this place of joy and excitement. Then if we go back to the dream, I see that she's actually not dead. And this is like the moment of working. Another way of how to work with a dream is that the dream is saying that part of me actually isn't dead. She doesn't need to be buried anymore. And the panic I feel in part is a little like, oh my God, is she going to be buried again? Or do I have to bury that part of myself again? Or is something bad going to happen again? That is part of my panic at the end of the dream. And there's also a promise. When I look and see she's not dead, she's not panicked. She's not anything. She just opens her eyes and looks at me. So the promise of this dream is that that part of me, the innocent girl that was excited about everything, the innocent girl who loved her family, loved her brothers, the innocent girl who wanted to experience the world was still alive in me. The dream was really acknowledging the trauma that happened to me and was also acknowledging that she may have been buried, but she wasn't gone. So the how of working with this dream was like uncovering all of these things, you know, first in the body, my the way I, I was still walking as if I had just been hit, and also really acknowledging what happened in this very visceral, non-blaming, non-judgmental way, like it just happened. There's a way that the dream was also gesturing toward the promise of like, it was time for me to unbury the girl. It was time for me to know that the girl was alive and well, and that she was wanting to wake up in me, that it was time for me to wake up. So in working in the how of this dream is like, I got to really acknowledge that girl in me and see what she'd been through and see what I'd been through. And to know that she wasn't lost, that yes, I have trauma. Yes, it was hard. And she was like, but that part of me was unharmed, even though I've had experiences, she was still alive and vibrant. She was still innocent and beautiful. And that it just happened, like the thing happened, but that doesn't mean that that girl was erased. It doesn't mean that I haven't had to deal with healing around my trauma. It means that that's true and also that she is still whole is also part of the promise of this dream. It was a very, again, like I said, it's a dream I think about, I've returned to, I see that girl looking at me, both at the game and also, you know, waking up in the in this in this ice coffin. You know, I also part of the how of this dream is like bringing to my awareness like compassion for myself for burying her. Like I think that I did bury her, and I think that I had to in order to survive the circumstances that I was that I was in. And you know, it brought up a dream I had when I was eight, where. I think all my brothers are gone. I think they're all dead. I see a a Hertz, this huge Hertz at the end of my street of the house I was living in at the time as a girl with the back open and it has 10 caskets in it and all the caskets are empty and open. And I run toward that Hertz and I just feel like if I don't run and jump in one of those caskets, something bad's going to happen. I just... I just have this like, I have to do this. In the dream I do, I jump into the hearse, I jump into one of the caskets. And as soon as I do, the door of the hearse closes and the hearse starts to drive away. In the dream, I realize that this is actually not a good thing and I start screaming and that's when I wake up. And I again, I had this dream over and over again. 
I can look at the two dreams. I can look at the dream I had, you know, when I was in my 30s and how it was gesturing back to the dream I had when I was eight about the moment when I actually did bury myself, when I threw myself into that casket because I didn't know what else to do. Because to my soul, there was like nothing. There was no safe place for me to be. Like my brothers were gone. My everything felt dire and dark. And it was the only thing I could do. So having the dream in my 30s about this girl who wasn't dead, but had been hurt, but was still alive and was waking up. It was a total gesture back to the girl I was at eight who buried herself because that was the only way to survive. And the how of working with the dream in my 30s of the hockey girl, I guess, opened me up to that, the promise of becoming unburied, the promise of me finding my voice again, the promise of me finding out who I was as an innocent girl and how I was still whole, which is extraordinary. And it was such a promise dream, even though it was a hard dream, the dream in my 30s, even though it was a hard dream because of the, the shock and the panic and how scary it was and how scary, scary it was that I thought they were going to bury this girl who was alive, it turned over the story of that I, I didn't have to bury myself anymore. I didn't have to ever again hide my innocence. It has taken some time to live that. I'm still learning how to live that. I'm still unburying myself in some way. I'm still finding my voice. I'm still stepping out. And yet the dream was like, this is the soul journey. This was like such a step from the girl at eight who buried herself to the woman I was in my 30s who was like ready to be unburied. So this is an example of the how, like, be impossible to take this dream and say, well, hockey games mean this, or the third eye means this, or ice coffins mean this. I mean, there are some mythology that we can apply to this to this dream. I could say, well, there's a little bit of a Sleeping Beauty mythos floating around here. There's another dream I had about a Sleeping Beauty who woke up. So there is... There is a mythology that can be opened up around this around this dream of this girl in the coffin that I think does apply, but only in sort of a big picture way, in a way that's specific to me. I love the story of Sleeping Beauty who got woken up by love. I love you know, that was a story I loved as a girl. So of course that's gonna my dreams worked with that. So that's one kind of general thing, but mostly it's so specific to me. It's so specific to what happened to me when I was eight around my trauma, what happened, what was happening for me around my 30s when I was beginning to wake up through my dreams, through finding excitement and passion again in my life. Everything in those dreams was so specific to me and so specific to like how I survived my trauma, how I was trying to unbury myself and maybe had been trying to unbury myself my whole life. It was so much geared toward my experience that to try to apply like a dream dictionary understanding of it or just a theory based or just the idea based to me doesn't honor the the full depth of the dream. I think there's many, many different ways to work with dreams. I think they all have merit. Working with dreams in this embodied way, it works with the layers of the dreams. This dream for me was so layered and so specific, it's still kind of unfolding for me, even 20 years later. Yeah, I mean, I can even feel right now in my, you know, early 50s, how I'm still waking up and the joy of that and the the joy that that girl carries is still waking up in me. That's an example of the how. It's also an example of why to work with the specifics and how it matters to the dreamer and how in the collaborative process, 
the dream is unfolding, why it's so powerful to work with it, both with the body and with the associative process and with these layers and the particular how they open doors in the dreamer and how this dream, you know, opened all these doors in me. Like that to me is like the profound how and why, why this way of working with dreams is so profound for me and why I feel like it has opened so many things in me, but also people I've worked with. In my next episode, I'm going to talk some more about some other dreams. Maybe I'll bring in the sleeping beauty dream to keep this theme going. We're going to keep the conversation going about the particular and how Working with particulars opens the dreams even deeper than we can even say. So thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me. This is an etymology of dreaming, and I look forward to our next episode. Thank you.